All right, well, let's pray before we get into the, the message this morning then. Uh, Father, we come before you and uh, we thank you uh, that you build the church. We thank you that you are the chief shepherd. Uh, and Lord, we submit to you uh, and your work within us. Uh, guide us, direct us, lead us on how to be the church, how to uh, minister to one another, how to build one another up in love uh, into the fullness of Christ. Uh, that we would be a church that is known for loving you, loving one another, and then reflecting that to the world. As we come into Palm Sunday and we look at this passage, uh, I pray that you would guide our hearts and our minds, uh, that you would instruct us, that you would make this alive to us, um, both in experiencing what happened on that day, uh, but also what it means for us today. Uh, Lord, we thank you for this and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so Palm Sunday is, is one of the annual events uh, on the church calendar. Uh, I'm super excited for this this year because I, I almost consider us kind of having a pseudo Palm Sunday last year. It was right in the midst of the actual like lockdown where we weren't even allowed to meet. We had some stuff online. Uh, but to be here in person, I'm super excited about. Uh, and this is that story where Jesus enters into Jerusalem uh, on a donkey. Uh, and so we'll be in Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 9, uh, just to read this passage and we'll go from there. Uh, just to get some background here um, before we get into verse 1. Uh, Jesus uh, had been up in Bethany uh, visiting Lazarus. Uh, so Lazarus was the guy who had, who had died and then Jesus had raised him from the dead. And uh, after that, the Pharisees were looking to kill him. Uh, but also the story had kind of gotten out. And so people, there would be crowds that would kind of go as tourists over to Bethany to try uh, and see and talk to Lazarus, the guy that was raised from the dead. Uh, and so Jesus went there uh, after Lazarus had been raised to spend some time. Uh, and this is one of the reasons why these crowds were kind of in the area uh, was because of this story of Lazarus and what Jesus had done. Uh, and so he's up there in Bethany visiting Lazarus. Uh, and now he's going to be heading to Jerusalem for the Passover uh, here in verse 1. When they approached, approached, wow, I don't know what word that is. When they approached Jerusalem, and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, telling them, Go into the village ahead of you. At once you will find a donkey tied there with her fall. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. I, that's always struck me. Like, I, imagine doing that today. Like, okay, you know we're going to have this dinner um, coming up on Thursday. Could one of you uh, go to the local Ford dealership and get a Bronco for me? Um, and, and if anybody asks, just say, you know, Josh needs it. That I don't think that would work <laughs> very well. And so just that supernatural provision of God, or he ordains things to take place to fulfill prophecy. In fact, it was prophesied that Jesus would be riding in, that the Messiah would ride in uh, on a colt. Uh, and so this is all part of prophecy, and Jesus knows this. And so he's like, yeah, there's not going to be a problem. Just go find one, bring it here, and if anybody asks, say the Lord needs it. And so that's what happens. And uh, verse 4 took place so that what may be said through the prophet might be fulfilled. Uh, Tell daughter Zion, see your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Disciples uh, went and did just as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and its foal, uh, and then they laid their clothes on them, and he sat on them. 
very large crowd spread their clothes on the road. Uh, others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them on the road. Uh, and then the crowds who went ahead of them uh, and those who followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Now imagine, if you can, the, this circumstance. You've got Jesus coming from just a few miles away from, from Jerusalem. Um, and He's there and He sends the disciples back. And they, so they're coming back with an empty donkey and a colt and they get to where Jesus is and, and they put their cloaks on top of it and He sits there. Uh, and the crowd that's kind of there to, to maybe see Lazarus or to get a glimpse of Jesus sees what's happening. Well, this is a prophecy that they would know about. The, the nation of Israel has been longing for and waiting for the Messiah to come. And so they would have been looking at these prophecies and, and they've been wondering, is this Jesus? Is He the Messiah? Here's Lazarus who was raised from the dead. He's uh, walking on water. He's healing the sick. The blind are receiving sight. Is this the Messiah? Were the rumors that would have been going around. And, and then all of a sudden, here's Jesus sitting down on a donkey in order to ride into Jerusalem in a declaration and a fulfillment of this prophecy. I, I just almost can imagine the, the electricity that the disciples might have been feeling in that moment. You've got that arid air, the, the bright sun coming down. Uh, here's Jesus and a colt uh, and a donkey. Uh, and all of a sudden, blankets are putting on. And Is this it? Is this really happening? Is, is the Messiah coming to Jerusalem? And, and so he hops on and, and he begins to like ride down to Jerusalem fulfilling this prophecy. Uh, and so people start taking their cloaks off and putting them down onto the ground. And in fact, this was a precedence that was even set in 2 Kings chapter 9 uh, with Jehu, who is declared king. And people put their cloaks down on the steps so that he could walk on that. And so you have Jesus almost intentionally declaring that He is the Messiah and the crowd around Him responding to Him in that by putting these cloaks down and saying, yep, we acknowledge You as King. We acknowledge You as Messiah. They go and they start cutting off the branches in order to place it down so that Jesus would ride upon those things on His way to Jerusalem. Again, all these things were, were symbols of Him being a King. The palm itself can mean victory, triumph, and joy. And so there's this huge celebration happening in this acknowledgement of Jesus coming as the Messiah. And then they begin shouting out, Hosanna to the Son of David. Again, another declaration. The Son of David, you are the Messiah, was prophesied to be an heir of David. Hosanna in the highest. Now this word Hosanna is actually a Greek word, uh, but it's a Greek translation uh, of two different Hebrew words. Uh, the first one being Yasha'a, which means to save, and then Na, which means now, kind of in a pleading sense. Uh, and so these words would have been used in Psalm 118, uh, Lord, save us, save us now. And it's this pleading sense of I need to be saved by You. We need to be saved by You. Lord, save us. Please grant us success 
He who comes in the name of the Lord is blessed. And from the house of the Lord, we bless you. And so here's this amazing picture of Jesus walking, uh, riding this donkey in the dusty streets down to Jerusalem uh, and this crowd around him acknowledging him as king, acknowledging him as Messiah, but then also crying out to God, God save us. God save us now. And it would have been a spectacle to behold. Like I think we can't, we've seen it in pictures and movies and whatnot, but that experience of being there as a part of it would have been uh, just absolutely uh, electric as Jesus fulfills these prophecies. So something clearly to celebrate uh, and declare out. But even as we have this um, exciting, joyful praise of the Messiah and King coming to Jerusalem, um, Jesus Himself we find is sorrowful. So he's on this donkey and everybody's around him. He's got this group around him that are acknowledging him as Messiah. But even as that's happening, he himself is feeling sorrow, surrounded by all these people waving these branches and putting it down. We find out why in Luke chapter 19, verse 41. It says, as he approached the city, as Jesus approached Jerusalem, he wept for it. He said, if you knew this day and what would bring peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes. For the days will come when, you, when your enemies will build a barricade around you, surround you and hem you in. Uh, on every side they will crush you and your children among you to the ground and they will not leave one stone on another in your midst because you did not recognize the time when God visited you. And so here Jesus again is declaring Himself, I'm, I'm God, I'm here and I'm visiting you. And if on this day you knew what would bring peace, which was Him, being the Savior, being the Messiah, but in a way they did not expect. In a way that they weren't looking for it to happen. The, the nation of Israel uh, in their mind was waiting for a Messiah to come uh, and then to, to rise up to be the king of the Jews, to be the king of Israel and then overthrow Rome. And then reestablish Israel as a powerhouse nation in the area. Uh, and on their own. And so they're waiting for that to happen. And what Jesus is saying, if you only understood, if you only understood, it's not about this world. It's not about this world. It's not about the walls of Jerusalem, but it's about your hearts and your need for salvation and forgiveness from God. That the peace that you need is not between you and Rome, but the peace that you need is between you and God. I think that's something that we struggle with ourselves at times when we go through our life and we have all these external influences and things that can cause us to be angry or scared or have anxiety. and uh, We just wish for some of that conflict to go away, to, to be able to have peace within our jobs, peace within our families. And some of those things are, are not a bad thing to have. But if we're so focused uh, on trying to, to find ourselves in a place of comfort in this world... And we're not worried about whether or not we're actually at peace with God the Creator and the One who will judge us. We're missing out on what actually causes peace. 
if we pursue that and we allow God to work in our lives, we'll find that He actually ends up working in these other areas around us as we submit and we begin to be transformed more into the likeness of Jesus. And who knows what would have happened if all of Jerusalem had recognized, yeah, it's not about this earth. It's not about our kingdom, but rather the kingdom of God. But it wasn't foretold to happen and one of the reasons it wasn't supposed to happen is so that we could be here today and we could have God reaching out to us and finding salvation but Jesus is weeping because he knows what's in store for Jerusalem in fact he's even saying uh, that your enemies will build a barricade around you surround you uh, and hem you in on every side Uh, they will crush you and that one stone will be left on another Jesus knows what's going to happen as the hardness of the heart of Israel continues to seek peace in the sense of overthrowing Rome. For about 30 years after Jesus dies, uh, the Jews begin another full-out revolt against Rome. Thinking this is what needs to happen. This is where we'll find fulfillment. This is where we'll find peace. Uh, And it didn't end well for Jerusalem because there was a, a siege that happened for many days around Jerusalem. And in fact, when the Romans uh, came in, they decided to burn down the temple to take away what the Jews thought their identity was. And so they burned it. And uh, in fact, Josephus, uh, a Jewish historian at that time, writes that the temple burned for nearly a month long. Like that's how much they set it on fire and how much they continued uh, to stoke it. As it burned, the heat melted all of the gold and precious metal decorations that were all throughout the temple. And all those things melted and seeped down into the stones of the foundation of the temple. And then when the fire was out, uh, the Romans decided they wanted those precious metals. And so Jesus had prophesied not one stone will remain on another. And so the Romans came in and took it apart stone by stone in order to get the precious metals that had seeped down into the foundation. And the temple was completely obliterated and fulfilling Jesus' prophecy here. This is why Jesus was sorrowful. This sense of if you only knew what makes for peace, but they didn't, and he knew what would happen in that. So even on he, he's on his way to Jerusalem, this crowd surrounding him, praising him, saying, "God, save us!" There's a group of people that understood as he was going. He knew that others were lost, and because they were lost, they were going to suffer uh, a fate of persecution um, and destruction through that. Now we're here today, and we're celebrating Palm Sunday. Uh, We've got these branches here that we can hold and that we can wave as we sing Hosanna, God save us. Uh, Hosanna in the highest. We're, We're praising and recognizing Jesus as our Messiah and as our Lord and as our Savior, as we should do. It wasn't inappropriate for them to be celebrating Jesus, declaring Himself, riding into Jerusalem. But as that was happening, we also have to understand that as we're celebrating this today, 
And, and as we celebrate our dinner on Thursday, uh, Good Friday, and we come on Resurrection Sunday, as we celebrate all these things that we have peace with God and we have hope for salvation, we also have to recognize uh, that we are surrounded by those that are lost as well. Maybe it's uh, people that we work with. Uh, we just look at uh, the neighborhood that we're in and how many people and how many of these buildings don't know who Jesus Christ is. I, and I mean that literally. Uh, a few years ago, uh, I think it would have been 2019, as we were doing uh, some different uh, evangelism uh, out on the streets before COVID, uh, one of the group went up to a house uh, and they said, well, do you, do you know what the Jesus has to do with Christmas? No, I don't. Who, who is this Jesus? Here in Janesville. And, and so some people don't even know the role of Jesus with Christmas, who He is. Uh, and for those that, that may know that there's a connection with Christianity, uh, they don't believe. They don't know Christ as Messiah. They don't know uh, Jesus as Lord. And we have uh, that sense of mourning as well uh, that this is the case. We see Jesus here in Luke chapter 21. So he's, he's weeping for the city. Uh, he is uh, upset about those that are lost. He's being asked about the end. Uh, and he says this in verse 7. Teacher, they asked him, when will these things happen? What will be the sign when these things are about to take place? Uh, and so they're asking both kind of about the, the destruction of Jerusalem, but they're also talking about the end of all things uh, when God would finally restore uh, His kingdom over all the earth. In verse 8, he says, Watch out that you're not deceived. For many will come in my name saying, I am He, the time is near. Don't follow them. When you hear of wars and rebellions, don't be alarmed. Indeed, it's necessary that these things take place first, but the end won't come right away. Then he told them, nation will be raised up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be violent earthquakes, famines, and plagues or pandemics in various places. There will be terrifying sights and great signs from heaven. But before all these things, they will lay your hands on you and persecute you, which has been happening since the day Jesus walked the earth and is happening in various countries today. They will hand you to the synagogues, the prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will give you an opportunity to bear witness. Or Matthew 24, verse 14, writes it this way, uh, This good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed in all the world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Easter is one of my favorite holidays. I, I like it better than Christmas. Uh, it's my favorite time of the year uh, as we do all of these things. But as we declare Christ as our risen Lord, we also have to acknowledge that there's, around, there's those around us that have no idea. And Jesus was sorrowful for those in Jerusalem because He knew 30 years later the Romans would come and tear it all apart and there would be uh, great pain and death within Jerusalem. 
that they would suffer because of that. And so for those of us who have Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, as we celebrate this, we also need to remember and to follow the example of Jesus. We're surrounded by people that don't know their eternity is in trouble. That don't know that without Christ being their Savior and Lord, they are in a path to, for eternity to be separated from God, to face torment and punishment for rebelling against Him in hell. This causes us to be sorrowful as we think uh, about people that we know. Perhaps it's a family member, a friend, somebody you work with, your neighbor, or just thinking about how many people within a square mile may not know who Jesus Christ is. It's a hard thing to consider. But because it's hard, we shouldn't push it out of our minds. It's meant to help motivate us to be the light. Jesus here is saying like, there's going to be difficult times upon the earth. These things need to take place. There's going to be famines. There's going to be plagues or pandemics. There's going to be wars. And if we're just simply focused on this earth, the way that the Israelites were when Jesus was there, they were so focused on something that was temporary, they missed what God was doing. If, if we as a church or as individuals are so focused on what's happening on this earth, we miss the opportunity that Jesus says, these things are happening for a reason, and it's so that you can be a witness through these things. That as those who are lost around us are struggling to, to go through what we're facing, we can do it with the light of Jesus Christ and a hope anchored in eternity and a strength that is far beyond anything this world can offer. And then we can share that hope and our light with those but if we're to do that, our hearts, our minds, uh, and our energy cannot be anchored in this world. We need to be ready to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and not necessarily our plans. We're to set these things down and say, Lord, would you lead us and wherever you want us to go and whatever you want us to do. This was even reflected uh, in Palm Sunday. So on that day, as Jesus is riding down to Jerusalem and He's got all of His disciples around Him with these palm fronds and they're laying down their jackets and here comes the King. And yet many of them were thinking He was actually coming to overthrow Rome. Even though they knew He was the Messiah. You, you think of Peter when Jesus revealed to Peter, like, I'm going to die. And Peter says, no Lord, that, that'll never happen. And Jesus' response was, get behind me, Satan. Peter's expectation at that time was, no, you're the Messiah. You're going to overthrow Rome. You're establishing a kingdom here and now on earth. And Jesus is saying, it's not about here and now on earth. It's about heaven and it's about eternity. 
Even afterwards, and we, we looked at this last week a little bit, Jesus died on the cross, was risen three days later, spent 40 days with them. Uh, just before he ascended into heaven, uh, the disciples in Acts chapter 1 are saying to Jesus, all right, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel at this time? And, and Jesus is like, nope. <laughs> and he sends into heaven and gives them a mission. Preach. Jerusalem, Samaria, all the area to the ends of the world. And I'm equipping you to do this. Their plan was to follow Jesus as an earthly king. And they didn't realize that His plan was to use them to be His ambassadors, to be His body on earth, and to bring many, many more to salvation than they even thought was possible. There was 12 apostles. We know of the 70 disciples. We don't know how many people were in that upper room on that day on Pentecost when the, when the Holy Spirit came upon them. We know that the next day as Peter preached, some 3,000 people came to salvation and faith based on that. And so let's just say, conservatively, there's 4,000 people in Pentecost 33 CE, the day next. 4,000 people that are trying to follow. Could they fathom the millions upon millions of Christians that would be alive and die, have children as the Gospel spread for another 2,000 years? And here we are in 2020 as part of that legacy, as part of that eternal body of Christ today, given that same mission as the disciples were. Go. Share this Gospel. Carry this light. Don't hide it under a basket. Be the ambassadors of Jesus Christ. Share this hope. We have that same mission and that same calling. And I think that uh, at times we have to be careful about our own preconceived ideas as well. At that time, their preconceived idea, Jesus uh, is going to be an earthly king and we're establishing it here and now. I think for us, uh, our preconceived ideas uh, have been formed for far too long uh, on what church should be. Uh, and we've been talking about this for the past couple of weeks. What church should be. For, for decades, for hundreds of years, uh, church was simply, uh, let me come on a Sunday morning. Um, well, maybe we'll have communion. Uh, we'll listen to the preacher preach. Uh, and then we'll just kind of go on for the rest of our week and we'll come back and do it again. And, and it's almost established this rut in, in the church of uh, consuming instead of participation of coasting instead of charging forward in the army of God. And so I think that we need to be challenged uh, in this in what is our preconceived notions of what it means to be part of a church. Because we're looking right now and saying, Holy Spirit, would You lead us? Because as we look to what's happening in Matthew chapter 24, I mean, we, we've had the pandemic that just happened, but, but what if there's massive earthquakes that we don't expect? What if war strikes out? What if the great persecution of Christians come? What if these things all start to happen? 
Think of what church was like for you three, four years ago. Two years ago. If all those things started, would you be ready? If all those things started tomorrow, would you be ready? Would the church be ready? And what I'm convicted by is the way that we used to do church wouldn't get us through what's coming. Whenever that might be. And so therefore, we, we cannot go back to the way that church was. We cannot continue to do the same thing. Uh, there's a passage in Isaiah 43 um, that has been stuck on my mind so much lately. It's, forget the former things. Do not dwell in the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Even now it springs up. Uh, do not perceive it. Within the context of that passage, just a few verses before that, God's talking to the nation of Israel. He's like, yeah, you remember when I rescued you from Egypt through the Red Sea? Remember when I destroyed all the chariots and the horses? Forget the former things. I'm doing something new. And so we look through the past of church history, and I'm not saying all of our church history, either at Mercy Hill or just over the last hundreds of years, is all bad. God has certainly used things. There was the Great Awakening, the Second Great Awakening. We have the Reformation. We have all these movements of God that happened throughout the course of history. And so as we look into the future, we have to be cautious of two things. We don't want to fall back into a sense of complacency of just consuming church and not actively participating as God has called us to. But we also have to be cautious not to look back to the Great Awakenings, not to look back to Azusa Street or Toronto or any number of other things and say, God, do the same thing. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. So let's seek to do what God is calling us to do. We need to be the body building one another up to maturity. We need to look different. And even as we go forward, uh, some of our Sundays are going to look different than they've been before. Um, And two weeks from now, so not not Easter, but the one after that, um, typically we have Spirit-led on Sunday night. Um, We're going to bring that Spirit-led into Sunday morning. And so we're going to gather, we're going to have a message, we're going to have a time of worship, uh, and then we're going to just continue on into a sense uh, of Spirit-led for those that want to stay as we do the whole thing right in the morning. And we'll see what else God does. But again, I, I want to have church not just be here, but throughout the week. It's one of the reasons why we're going to continue to look for these testimonies of what God is doing in individuals' lives at men's group, at women's group, uh, at the running club group as we share Jesus with one another and those in our community. Uh, Let's be the church. Not just watch church. I think something beautiful will happen then. In fact, God promises that it will happen as we're faithful to do that. 2,000 years, the dusty roads heading to Jerusalem, Jesus was surrounded by those waving palm branches and shouting out, Hosanna. We get another picture in Revelation chapter 7. Uh, John is looking and he has this vision. He says, After this I looked and there was a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language which no one could number 
standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Now this group of people are those that have responded to Jesus. They're part of our family that we've all been adopted into the kingdom. This is the result of being the light. This is the result of the commission to go out and spread the good news as people from every nation, tribe, people, and language, the number of which no one could number, standing before the throne and the Lamb, all dressed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne with the elders and the four living creatures fell face down before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength to be our God forever and ever. Amen. This will happen. And if we belong to Jesus Christ, we'll be there. We want more people there. So as we celebrate Easter, let's also mourn as Jesus mourned. There's lost around us. Let's look for the opportunity to share our faith so that we can bring more into this number so that on this day we can all stand hand in hand waving these palm branches saying, Hosanna, salvation, praise the Lord for all of eternity. Let's pray. Father, we come before You this morning. Uh, We thank You, uh, Lord, for these passages, uh, for that day as Your declaration of being the Messiah was clearly declared uh, and those that knew uh, were faithful celebrated. uh, Those that resisted plotted for Your death. And uh, You mourned all along for those who were still lost and desiring for them to come to a place of repentance. Father, today as we celebrate Palm Sunday and Easter this week, we praise You. We declare You as our Messiah, as our Savior, our Lord, and our Father. And we celebrate that with full joy because this seals our eternity, Your love for us. But Lord, also let us follow Your example and to mourn for those that are around us that do not know You. To acknowledge the eternal danger that they are in. And then to remember, You have us here for a purpose. To share the Gospel with those who are lost and need hope. Lord, let us be motivated by love as your sorrow is motivated by love. Let us not uh, lean upon our conceived notions of what church should be, but rather let's submit to your Word where we devote ourselves to the Apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, uh, to fellowship, to prayers. And then just following You as You direct us to be a church, whatever that may look like, wherever it may be, from here in the armory to the parks and to the parking lots of Janesville. Lord, give us boldness. And as we step forward in faith and boldness, we trust You to work in mighty ways with the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.